I'm losing it. I've spent a weekend with some young guys. And uh, yeah, you can deduce from that what might have happened. But anyway, it was a real joy and a privilege to have time with them. Thank you, parents, for releasing them into our care. And I trust that as they come back into the space that they live in, that you had experienced a changed son. We encourage them to walk in the fullness of the call that Jesus has put upon their lives. And uh, we want to just commit along with you as parents is that we want to invest in them so that they could be the very best that they can be in him for him. And so uh, a real joy and a privilege. Young ladies, you are not forgotten. I want to say that you are equally important in the kingdom of God. And so watch the space. There are some upcoming events which will be applicable for you. So you're not forgotten. <laughs> Guys, you're you men to say, yeah. yeah. Just as they did for you earlier. <laughs> Let me just grab my mug. So I don't have a cloak this morning, unlike Brad last week. <laughs> but I do have a mug. I have a cup. This cup has a great sentimental value for me. Sentimental value. I don't put all my hope in the cup, this cup. But they're very precious to me because it's a cup that was given to me by my stepfather just before he passed away. And uh, had the privilege of sharing the gospel with him. The psalmist in Psalm 116 verse 13 writes about a cup. And he says, I will lift the cup of salvation and I will praise the Lord's name for saving me. So when I look at this cup, just the significance of this cup and the sentimentality about it, I remember the moment that I had an opportunity to share the gospel with my stepdad. That the Lord would use me to be able to share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. But equally, when I look at the cup and I lift the cup, I'm reminded of my own salvation that I have received through the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, lifting the cup, friends, as the psalmist says, as we are to live with gratitude, thankfulness to God, delighting in the salvation, the new life that he has given us. Wise man said this about lifting the cup. He says, the cup of salvation is the cup of blessing which is given to the soul. Let the soul take it and drink it, but it, let him remember and her that the very partaking is in itself the nature of a pledge of loyalty. It is the oath of allegiance in which he or she calls on the name of Jesus. It's also acknowledging the role that someone else has played in revealing Jesus Christ to us. My salvation, all honor to Jesus, but I'm grateful that somebody took the time and had the patience to share the gospel with me. When I lift the cup, I'm grateful for what Jesus has done, but when I lift the cup, I'm grateful that somebody else counted me worthy to invest some time in me. But when we lift the cup equally, 
It's lifted up, allowing others to drink from it, to taste the goodness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Last week, Brad asked us the question, whose side are we on? Remember? Great message. If you have not listened to that message, if you've not heard it, get onto our app, onto our website, listen to that message, a key word for us. He asked us a question. It's a question that comes from the throne room of heaven. Whose side are you on? If we say we're on the side of Jesus and we lift the cup of salvation, there's an allegiance that we have with him. When we consider lifting the cup of salvation, there's a responsibility that we carry. Having received the cup of salvation, we have the privilege of holding it out like Jono did. That others might taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen? <laughs> when we live with gratitude for the cup of salvation that we have received, surely the outflow of that gratitude must let others experience the same. <laughs> the title of my message this morning is Power for Purpose. Power for Purpose. In our journey through the book of Acts, let me not just erase everything I prepared this past week. <laughs> Title of my message, Powerful Purpose. And in our journey through the book of Acts, I'm going to share this morning out of the book of Acts chapter 2. Luke records a moment in Acts chapter 2. <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> Following on from Acts. What have you young guys done to me? <laughs> Not guilty, they say. <laughs> My apologies. Jesus are in an upper room. Their posture, the place is not important, posture important. Expectantly waiting for the gift. Remember Brad spoke about that last week, that the Father was going to give them. And so Luke records this expectantly positioned, their posture, expectant and waiting, and we pick it up in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, and as they are waiting, ringing in their ears, echoing in their hearts, are the very words that Jesus spoke. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses, lifting the cup of salvation. Telling people everywhere about me. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. There we have a mission spoken to people. And Jesus is saying, if you're on my side, if you show allegiance to me, then go and be my witness. But he says, go and be my witness in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so there's a commissioning moment to go and do. And then there's a moment of commissioning of how to do it. We're going to look at that this morning, the how to do it. 
You know, Jesus spoke these last words on earth before he ascended to heaven. Luke chapter 24, verse 47. And it's the words that Luke remind us again of in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It was also written, the words of Jesus, that this message, the message of the cup of salvation, would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness. That's a message. The message is not the church. The message is not a movement. The message is there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. Verse 48 and 49 of Luke 24. You, please say I, am a witness of these things. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> and then Jesus says, and now, to be my witness, I need to enable you. I need to empower you. I need to release you to be an effective witness. And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. First part of Jesus' commission is we are commissioned to go. Commissioned to go. Simple. Commissioned to go. You want to ask Jesus, what do I have to do? He says, go. <laughs> the second part is how we are commissioned to go. 120 disciples in the upper room, on the side of Jesus, embracing his mission. It might be a coincidence, the day of Pentecost, I don't think it is a coincidence personally, that the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit, this moment, when the Holy Spirit came down upon 120 excited, expectant disciples, is the same day, the very same day that they celebrated an Old Testament tradition, the Feast of Harvest. Same day, not a coincidence. The Feast of Harvest is an annual celebration of the wheat harvest, Exodus 34, 22, just so that for you to go and study so that you know I'm not trying to con you. And the date coincides with the day of Pentecost, by the way. I believe intentionally. Small gathering, 120 people. And in an upper room was the beginning of a new harvest, a harvest of lost souls. Beautiful. These 120 disciples in the upper room saw what Jesus saw. That's why they were there. They saw what he saw. Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 to 38. Jesus again speaking. He says, the harvest is great. Do we see it? The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord, who is in charge of the harvest. The church is not in charge of the harvest. Jesus is. People are His. Ask Him to send more workers into His fields. If we say, friends, that we are on the side of Jesus, then surely we will see what He sees, and we will go where He sends There were others, not part of the 120, 
They weren't in the upper room. That invitation was for every disciple. Go to Jerusalem. Wait for the gift that my father has promised was spoken to a multitude of people. 120 people respond. So there were maybe others who didn't go. And I question why didn't they go? And maybe this morning we're sitting here and we identify maybe in some part with the masses, excuse me, who didn't go. Might be too busy with my own pursuit. Me stuff, building my family, advancing my career, just cruising through life, having fun. I'm not saying you're doing that. Maybe you identify. Maybe that was some of those who didn't go. Just said, I don't have the time. Or maybe they didn't consider it important enough that I have to give my time to it. Or maybe you might feel disqualified, inadequate. How can God use me? Brad spoke about that last week. I'm not going to camp in that. And I think many people struggle with that aspect of it, of this call. I pray. My prayer for us this morning, by the end of this meeting, we will go home with a theology, a, a theology that's shaped by revelation that there is a harvest. <laughs> Jesus wants to reach all. That we would become, each and every one of us, one of the laborers that Jesus sends into the harvest fields of our world. The 120 disciples in the upper room lived by conviction. Jesus spoke, they saw, they believed, they did. Conviction. That Jesus didn't just come to bless me and make me happy and to be comfortable. I'm standing on your toes. Please don't look at me. This is the word of God for him, don't we? <laughs> he didn't come so that we're comfortable and happy and blessed. We are blessed and we are happy. And we enjoy the incredible benefits that the gospel gives us. But this gospel is inconvenient at times. Jesus came. Revelation. Shapes our theology, what we believe. Jesus came for a harvest. If he came for a harvest and then we're on the side of Jesus, let's get on his mission, not ours. They bought into his mission. They didn't just talk about his mission. They bought into his mission. And we will see that in a moment. Acts chapter 2 verse 1, reading from the King James Version. Bible records this. These are the words of Luke, who is an eyewitness of the events, by the way. It's not just uh, somebody said he heard it or she heard it from somebody else, and now I'm recording it. Eyewitness. He writes that they were all with one accord in one place. One vision. One purpose. One goal. Harvest. And Jesus does an incredible thing when people have one vision, one purpose, one goal. 120 people. You might say it's not a big group. Okay? I think there are possibly a little bit more than 120 people here this morning. 120 people in an upper room, one vision, one purpose, one goal. God sees their hearts. Jesus says, okay, I can work with a sold out, passionate group of people like that. And this is what happens. Acts chapter 2. One accord in one place. 
Acts chapter 2, verses 2 to 5. Suddenly, remember their posture? Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present, please say with me, everyone. Everyone. One vision, one purpose, one goal, everyone. No one was left out. Everyone was filled with the Holy Spirit. Bible says, Everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Three tangible signs. Let's go look at them quickly this morning of supernatural power. This is something that Jesus does with a group of people that are on the side of Jesus and sold out for his mission. There's a sound of roaring, mighty windstorm. Audible sign. First one. Holy Spirit comes down, an audible sign. And to me, that speaks about boldness. Poor Elizabeth has strong winds. Or Kabecha. Has strong winds. I, I walked out my house so one day, Shelley will tell you, we built a wall and we had put fencing up. I had this big gate and I, and I walked out there one morning after the wind and I looked and it looked like an old man with teeth missing. In his mouth, uh, Gate was on the floor, the wall was down, this big gap in my garden, the wind did that. This wind was stronger than that wind. It was a wind that was so strong, it was a wind that was so mighty, it drew people around that upper room, amazed what's happening here. And when we step out in boldness, in the power of the gospel, under the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit, it draws people to the gospel. Bold people. Bold people, bold people advance the kingdom. And that one of the signs of the Holy Spirit upon a person is boldness. I was a shy, Shelley will tell you. Phil, I, could not talk, I couldn't even do an oral exam. I just failed it every because I couldn't stand in front of people and talk. I'm able to, no attention to me, all glory to you. I'm able to talk to you this morning in this way because I'm under the inspiration and the emboldening power of the Holy Spirit. And if we will step out trusting him to fill us, to give us boldness, he can do the same with each and every one of us. So being shy and reserved, <laughs> Holy Spirit, one of the 120 upper, Holy Spirit, I need to reach somebody. Please give me some boldness, and he will. Young guys, I love the fact I thought they did outstandingly well this morning, this testimony. And I think, boy, can you imagine these young guys? Under the power of the Holy Spirit, they're going to take some ground. (laughs) For Jesus, that is. John chapter 3, verse 8. The scriptures describe the Holy Spirit at times as a wind, just to keep it biblical. Not a weird, freaky thing when the wind comes. Holy Spirit is one. The wind blows here and there as it wills. And I believe that the Holy Spirit blows where there is a willing heart. <laughs> Somebody said this. said, a preacher is born not out of scholarship 
or eloquence or skill or wealth, but of the Spirit. A sermon is a miracle wrought by the Spirit through lips of clay. Isn't that beautiful? A testimony, boldness, telling somebody about Jesus is a miracle wrought by the Spirit. pressure off us. Peter, yeah, Peter in the Bible, very central figure in the first couple of chapters of the book of Acts. He is a tough fisherman from a very enough neighborhood. He was a fishy guy, some would say. You can laugh. Caught fish, smelt of fish. He spoke before he thought, put his foot in it often. <laughs> An aggressive character. Remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane? He took, out, he took out his sword. He chopped off that oak's ear. Didn't think, just acted. Doubted Jesus, denied him. Yet, to me, he preached one of the most powerful sermons recorded in the New Testament. Thousands. You read on in the book of Acts chapter 2, verse 3. You'll see thousands of people responded to his message. God fills that man. A man that many would disqualify. Maybe a man that even disqualified himself at times and said, I'm inadequate. Look at me, I'm a ruffian. But he was one of those in the upper room. Lord, 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 Lord. And the Holy Spirit comes, fills him. Thousands get saved through a simple message. He didn't quote the whole of the Old Testament and back it up with signs and wonders. He just boldly spoke about the glory of Jesus. Thousands get saved. Cut to the heart. They said, what must we do? He says, Repent. Very thing, repent for the forgiveness of your sins and be baptized. Simple. Boldness. If God can use an uneducated, uncouth fisherman, he can use us. Second sign, tongues of fire rested upon each one. Please say again, each one. Yeah, each one. This word is not just for your neighbor. For each one, each one of us. Everyone in that room experienced the supernatural sign. There's a visual sign. A visual sign. First one, audible sign. Second one, visual sign. You know that in the Old Testament, when you read it, fire is used by God as tangible evidence of His presence, of His power, and His holiness. Each one was touched by the holiness of God in that moment. Consecration moment, I believe, was that moment in the upper room. Tongues of fire was a consecration moment, a holy moment. Remember Isaiah chapter 6, verses 7 to 8. Isaiah has a revelation. God himself, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Bible records, just to paraphrase, we saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. He encountered a holy God. And this is what God said to him in that moment. Seraphim comes down, just to paraphrase quickly, with a, with a coal, touches his lips with this coal. And this is what God says, see, Isaiah. Can I make it personally applicable? See, church, this coal has touched your lips 
Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. In other words, holiness has come upon you because you're going to be my vessel of revealing my holiness and my righteousness to this world. Stop messing around with the things of darkness. Let God use us for His glory. Then I heard the Lord asking, touches his lips with a call, with a call, asking, Whom shall I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? Isaiah said, touched with a here I am, send me. He knows in that moment, forgiven. He had some stuff probably he had to deal with. That's why he had to be touched with a call. And maybe as we're trying to reach this world that we live in, and people say, Listen, what you are is not authentic. You say you're on the side of Jesus. You give your allegiance to him, but you're living like this. I can't believe your testimony. Maybe. Right now, holy moment. Fire. Consume the dross of our lives so we can present ourselves to this world as a holy people who honor you, Jesus, so that our lives would be a testimony of your righteousness. We had some time with the young guys this weekend. We said, don't let anything get in the way of your call. He said, deal with the stuff that holds you back. Porn, deal with it. Ungodly, unrighteous relationships, deal with it. Because God wants to use you for his glory. That's a word for all of us, not just for young guys. We had some very real and honest conversations. And I think sometimes we need to be honest before the Father. With our own hearts. Say, Lord, there's some stuff in here. Deal with it. Come and touch me with your holy fire. Free me. Repentance breaks that yoke. Don't think that I can carry on living a dark life and I'm going to reach people. You won't. God in that moment is dealing with impurity. Charles Spurgeon, famous old theater. You know we sing about Jesus as a consuming fire? You know that song, huh? I'm not going to sing it. So relax. <laughs> He says, Jesus, who is a consuming fire, can only properly be served by those who are on fire. (laughs) God only uses people that carry his authentic holy presence into the world. Lift the cup of salvation, friends. Ensure that it's holy. Thirdly, last one. They began to speak in foreign languages. Now, this isn't the tongues that Paul speaks about in the book of Corinthians. They actually spoke in foreign languages. Now, if you read the book of Acts, that account, 15 different languages. 15 real languages. Not just Shabbat, real languages. You see, in Jerusalem gathered were men and women from different tribes from across the world, from Asia, from Turkey, from Palestine, from Armenia, and North Africa were gathered in Jerusalem. How is God going to reach them? With diversity, different languages. As they heard these people, these Christians on fire speaking different languages, they were all, but they were people who didn't know that language until a few moments before. How can they be drunk? A supernatural thing. And today there are people that have reached tribes in far-flung corners of our world who supernaturally are given a language to reach them. 
But to me, this is symbolic. It speaks about the diversity of the gifts in the body. And God uses different people with different gifts at different times, in different ways, to reach people in different places. Holy Spirit comes. He gives each one maybe a different strategy, maybe a different word, maybe a different skill or talent to reach somebody that he wants to reach. <laughs> Beautiful. God, use us. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Diversity, friends, is the key to harvest. If we were all like Jonah, we would only reach people that Jonah can reach, which is not a bad thing, by the way. But it'd be so awesome, like you, but to be in the business world where you're speaking to people all the time. God's anointed, given maybe Hubert the ability to connect with people in the business world that he can share the gospel with. If you're a teacher, children in your classroom, they can't run anywhere. They have to stay there. <laughs> Use that moment to share the love of Jesus with them. And can I say it's becoming more and more difficult when school curriculums are trying to negate Jesus? Then you need the boldness <laughs> Sorry, I can't help it. Yeah, you called to give. I can't help it. Why can't you help it? Well, the Holy Spirit made me do it. <laughs> right there, and there's an opportunity again. <laughs> Just a thought. <laughs> it could be a language. It could be a strategy. It could be a specific talent to reach people. Maybe the music team can come up, please. 120 people in the upper room, living by conviction, understanding, having this theology of harvest, that there are people to reach. The fields are white unto harvest. Where are the workers? The workers are few. Send the workers into the harvest field. And I just sense this morning, it's what Jesus is wanting to do with us. is to awaken a love for our world. Not sit and judge it and curse it, but reach it. And we reach it with a commission that comes from Him. A conviction, full to the power of the Holy Spirit, conviction to go. Can I ask you to stand, please? Jesus wants to fill our cup this morning. But in order for our cup to be filled, we need to assume the right posture. What is our posture? You know, when the disciples received the, Holy, the, the promise of a commission that I will send you a gift that my Father has promised, they were in a place called Bethany. They weren't in Jerusalem because Jesus said, go to Jerusalem and wait for the gift. They received this promise. They received this commission in Bethany, but they had to walk 10 kilometers plus minus, back to Jerusalem, to the upper room. There was a moving towards what God had called them to. And so maybe our Bethany this morning might be some of the things I referred to, inactive, inadequate, couldn't care. Maybe. Or maybe your Bethany might be dabbling in some stuff that is unhelpful for the advancing of the kingdom, unhelpful for your own life, 
but unhelpful for the advancing of the kingdom. Jesus is saying to that which I'm calling you to. I'm going to ask the folk in the front row, because I'm sure there's going to be, and this is not manipulation. I know we're hungry for more of God. Now we just move some chairs back. We press forward. We take this morning physically a symbolic step. They're like, Jesus, I'm stepping into what you have for me in terms of this call. If you're comfortable with that. If you're uncomfortable, you're welcome to stay where you are. I promise you, it's fine. I don't know about you, but I want to be on the side of Jesus. I want everything that he has for me. They went to Jerusalem. From Bethany, they moved to Jerusalem. They positioned themselves to receive what was promised. You want boldness? Position yourself. Holy Spirit, here I am. Give me boldness so you can send me. You want God to use you? Deal radically with sin. Deal radically with, do business with Jesus this morning. Here I am, Lord. I repent of every ugly thing that I'm part of. Help me. Break that yoke. Free me so you can use me. Position yourself. You want to be effective. You've been effective. You want to be more effective. Trust God this morning. Fill you with the power of the Holy Spirit. Trust Him to empower you with a different, more effective to reach somebody. If that's you, while we worship this amazing song, Here I am, Lord, send me. Let's not just sing these songs. Let's position ourselves in the heart of it. Here I am, Lord, send me. There's somebody who wants to know you. Here I am, Lord, send me. And while we do that, I'm going to just keep quiet after this. We're going to allow the Holy Spirit to do only what He can do. And for us, it'll be like an upper room moment. He might come like a wind. The wind blows where it will, how it will. He might come down with tongues of fire. He might give you a language. He might not. But one thing I do know that if we are eagerly expectant, He'll do something in here that will have an effect out there. Press in. If you want to step forward while we're worshiping, that's fine. If you want to stay and just receive where you are, that's okay.